Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Galvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now hey this is heather hey this is liz this week we're joined with special guest sarah candela to end mean girls month with the quintessential mean girls movie heathers so fuck me gently with a chainsaw and hit that music. <laughs> Explicit tag right up front. It's going to be so very. All right, so welcome back to week four of Mean Girls Month. It's our last week of the this theme month that we're doing, and it's flown by really quickly. Like, I can't believe it's we're already here. We're already at number four. Yeah. Week four, we've told you before, is going to be that classic movie from 1989, Heather's, totally a Mean Girls story. And not just uh, Heather and I here talking today, we also have with us our special guest, Sarah Candela. Sarah, why don't you introduce yourself to everybody. Hi, everyone. I am Sarah Candela. What do we want to know about me? Do you want to know? Tell us a little bit about your background because you are are a former teacher, correct? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that. So I taught English, high school English in New York for 15 years, a little more than 15 years maybe. Uh, and I, I taught literature and journalism and, uh, I ran the school newspaper and stuff like that. So towards the end of the last couple years of that run, I had started to get into, I mean, I'd always been into podcasting as a listener, but then my brother had started a pretty successful podcast that didn't last more than a year because it was too much work for him. Um, and, from him starting one, I kind of got into all the other aspects, like just interested in what it took to put together a show and all the people that were involved and and so on. So I started to kind of incorporate, not really incorporate that. I would if I could have, but I started to kind of see if I could play with that in school. Um, and so because I ran the newspaper and was involved in journalism, that seemed like an easy kind of route to get involved with that kind of stuff. So I got, I kind of coerced the journalism kids to start getting interested in podcasting. I'm like, guys, it's just like journalism, only you talk. Um, so that was, a li- <laughs> it was kind of easy to get the kids that were into like sports writing into, mm-hmm. you know, let's, yeah, let's do a little bit of an audio piece to go along with this. And so we started to play around with that, but we just didn't have the resources in school to really do what I would have wanted. And 
of course, they don't want to pay you more. They like, oh, you're already being paid to run the newspaper. So yeah, you can run a podcast at the same time, um, but mm-hmm. we're not paying you any more money for it. <laughs> so Figure that- out how to host it. <laughs> It's fine. <laughs> yeah. So that was um, kind of where I started to think. I mean, and there were other things at that time as well in my mind about like, do I want to remain in teaching? Do I want to um, try to try to figure out maybe how to get involved in podcasting or something like it, um, like in the summers or in, on the side or something? But I'm someone that when I'm doing stuff, I'm so like stuff meaning like at that time, being a teacher, um, I'm so involved in it that I just find it very difficult to become, you know, really good at, you know, cause you can't, I can't just, or I wouldn't have been able to just learn how to podcast just, you know, or anything like that, uh, just kind of casually, it would mm-hmm. have taken forever. So I, yeah, I'm someone who puts like my heart and soul and life into everything that I'm doing. So teaching just left me no time to really explore or like mental energy, I would say. Yeah to explore like really other avenues of things I might want to do. So I wound up taking a part-time job uh, in my last year of teaching. I wound up taking a part – I don't know if Liz knows my whole – I mean, I'm sure she does, but in some <laughs> way. But I don't know if she if I told her this, if she remembers it, because it was probably a couple years ago that I told her, but um, that while I was still teaching, I wound up just going into a random Facebook group about podcasting. I knew nobody in podcast, nothing except for a couple people I had known through my brother's show. But, um, I just went into a random Facebook group that seemed like it was for podcasters. It was called podcast junkies. And (laughs) I just said, I didn't know what it was. I was like, well, a junkie is someone who's really into something. So this must be people who (laughs) like podcasts. Mm, So I just said, hey, everybody, I want to learn anything that has to do with podcasting. I'll be your co-host. I will help you write things, like literally anything. Just teach me stuff. And I'm a teacher, blah, blah, blah. And like 10 minutes later, the person who ran the website DM'd me on Twitter and on Twitter, on on Facebook and said, "Um, hey, I'm actually looking for an assistant, I think. Can I call you? And I'm like who is this? Like, call me. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, Liz knows what I'm talking about. (laughs) I do. Yes. (laughs) So I don't know if you, have you heard this whole story before? Uh, No, not all of it. No. Yeah. So I, yeah. So I was in school at the time. I, I was like, I think it was the end of my school day when I saw that message and I was like, well, I'm just leaving school. I'm heading to Starbucks. But when I get out, cause I would always get Starbucks for my long hour ride home. And I said, I'm like, oh, when I get out of Starbucks, you can call me. And so I, he called me like on Facebook or whatever. It was very mm-hmm. weird. <laughs> yeah. And then by that, I remember because it was like a Tuesday and by like Friday, like I was hired to work like five hours a week or something, knew nothing about anything that I was doing. Um, and then I, by the time I, that was October. And then I started working part-time learning like production and stuff like remotely. Um, so I did that October, November, December, January, by the time I left school, which was the end of January, I left teaching in the middle of the year. Um, I was working 20 hours a week, um, Mm -hmm. remotely for this production company while still teaching. And it was insane. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's crazy. It was great. I was like, I remember tallying it, tallying it like the beginning of January. I'm like, Oh my God, I think 
if I even do one more thing, it's like I have a whole other job on top of this and this is insane. And that's why I said like I don't I can't I can't put my whole heart into two things. Um so I was like, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to see if I can do something with this because you can I can always go back to teaching. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, you know, I can do like two years because I never took did anything else. I went straight into teaching from college. And so I'm like, I can do this. I can see what's happening here for two years and, and you know, talk to people and meet people and see what kind of opportunities they are or see if I'm good at something or if, I, you know, and then yeah. I can always figure it out after that because the job I was in, I mean, I was not great anyway. So anyway, so that's what I did. And then I wound up moving to California. <laughs> All right. That's <laughs> so I left my job in the middle of January and uh last week of January I drove across the country and moved to California. <laughs> and yeah. Here I am. Uh so I yeah, now now I don't work for a production company at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now I work um for the last as of last March first. Um and that's how I met Liz. Liz and I worked at the same production company. That's right. <laughs> Um, we both quit on the same day. <laughs> we did. <laughs> so she remembers March 1st very well last year. I'm like, I'm going to send my letter in now. Are you going to send your letter in? It's <laughs> <laughs> like timed up. Sing- you know, and that was the first time I had heard from that particular person in like six or seven months. Oh, I remember. It's <laughs> like, okay. Oh, sure, sure. sure. Why not? Yeah, yeah, we were like sending each other drafts of our life. I'm like, all right, <laughs> I'll send it at 7.02. You send yep. it at 7.04. Yep. Um, so yeah, I remember March 1st, I started, I had did the same thing moving out of that job was I just kind of, I had picked up another job totally unrelated, but in podcasting, they needed someone with podcast experience and teaching experience because they had like a teaching, a teacher mm-hmm. educator audience. So um, it was a startup um, that was starting an app. They had another product, but they were um, that they ha- made their money from. But they were starting a podcasting app that was like for re- recording like micro podcasts for teachers to use in the classroom. So mm-hmm. I started working for them. The same deal, like five hours a week, then ton like creating content and like helping them get in touch with the teacher community and learning how to use Twitter well in the teacher community. All these things, and then. And then by the beginning of the year is when I like started to make the transition over to really working for them. So yeah, for a year I've been working for them full time. Um, and that, they are called Synth. <laughs> I'm just talking about them randomly. Um, <laughs> but Synth is a, uh, it's a couple of things right now. So right now our big product is I work on a audio letter, an audio newsletter, which I just sent out today as I worked on it all day. Um, that comes out every Monday. And what we do is we take two, we do two things. I take, um, I spend all week with a little team, um, kind of researching trending podcasts. First of all, like trending episodes of podcasts twice a week. And then what we do is we take them and we break them into pieces of like, uh, anywhere from 30 seconds to a minute and a half. And then I create collections with like beautiful quote cards of like the best pieces of each of those trending episodes. And then um, we'll have a trending collection on Monday and a trending collection on Thursday. And we send those out in a newsletter. And then each, and then each week we also have a topic. So like, um, we'll either have like, like a couple, or was it last week? We did like, um, stress management or like adapting to change. We're trying to make them like kind of roll with the times, but at the same time also 
focus on personalities as well. So today I was working on a collection about Esther Perel for all day, all day. I was like, like knee deep in relationship quotes from Esther Perel for like six hours, (laughs) but I have to mine them from research I did. And then from the collecting of quotes and like dividing up episodes that my team did. So I'm working from like 40 episodes of podcasts that this woman has been on. So that's what I'm, I'm working in right now. And my, it's hard to explain what I do because my job at Synth changes almost weekly. Yeah. And well, I imagine that it's changing right now because of uh, how many uh, educators are really working from home now and doing like online and uh, virtual teaching. Yeah. And so uh, what we've done, and we did this before any of this happened, we kind of started this big pivot like at the beginning of January, um, is that this newsletter project is like a second branch of Synth. Our original product was just the recording and the app that you can get and use and all of that. So it's actually two separate websites and two separate apps. So the new one that I'm working on now, we kind of left the teacher one in the dust for a while. And now it's come back. And meanwhile, it's being used constantly by like something like 20,000 teachers. And, um, but we just don't do any development on it right now because we had shifted to the new one, our 2.0, which is not really available to the public yet, except for on the web. But, um, that one is the one where you can search for podcasts, like any, like it's a regular podcast listening service and you would search for them, but you can listen to them in pieces and quotes are pulled out and you can share them. Hmm. So it's a shareable, like almost like podcast in bites is what we call podcasting in bites is what we call the other, the recording aspect of synth, but we call this the Pinterest of podcasts. Oh, okay. Because nice. it kind of, you, there, there's a visual element to mm-hmm. it. That's pretty heavy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm working a little bit on both. I'm still now I'm working more with teachers than I have been for the past six months because that's like you said, in the spotlight again now. Yeah. Um, and a lot of them are using and sharing, um, synth 1.0 with their friends. Um, But that's what I do. And I live in California by myself with my two dogs and a cat. Um, And I I also co-host a radio show on Saturday nights with a Canadian man. Oh. All right. Is it local California or is it a podcast? Um, My radio show? Mm -hmm. Oh, it's actually on something called Voice Ed Radio, which is a it's run by a man in Canada who it's like literally a Canadian based education internet radio website. And it's like a radio station, but he takes every single show that he has. um, Like he has people that host regular programs throughout the week, but every time they do when it's finished, he takes it and processes it, processes it as kind of like a podcast episode. So it's available like on demand, even if you missed it on the radio, that type of thing. So every Saturday night I do their Saturday night show with the guy that owns the station. And it's just a show called The Doc. And we pick a theme for the music every week. And then we curate two hours of music and conversation um, of live radio. And it's cool. People call in and stuff. It's like old, old fashioned, old fashioned uh, (laughs) gather around the radio type of recording. It's fun. Very different. fun. Very cool. That's it. All right. Well, the the we brought you on um, for many reasons because we're very excited to have you on. But for Mean Girls Month, we're talking about the movie Heather's, and with an education background, it uh it has a lot of impact as well. I would assume. Yes, <laughs> I actually have. I didn't even talk about this. My podcast, which is about it's because I never record episodes, um, so I forget that it <laughs> exists, but. 
Um, I have a podcast that is called From Bell to Bell, where I talk about movies that take place in schools. And we did Heather's like a year and a half ago, maybe, or something like that, um, for that very reason, um, because there's so Mm -hmm. much. And every time I watch Heather's, I think, um, like, I forget, like, some parts still shock me because I forget how horrible some things are, <laughs> like, especially in the last half an hour or so. Uh, I always forget. And and I forget that this was, you know, created at a time when a lot of stuff about school was, I mean, you wouldn't have seen anything about school that was like that. But yeah, um, but it was, you know, it was cre- at the be- I was like, really at the beginning of as far as like, time wise, it was at the beginning of the, I guess, like a change in the way movies about high school were written. Um, yeah, I think. I think that anything after this was, you know, generally much simpler and um, less dark. And I don't know if maybe like, you know, just like the effects of Columbine made it so that people didn't want to put something this dark out there in a school um, setting. Yeah, and I well, that's actually one of the things that I it's I think is that movie is so filled with stuff and filled with moments and filled with just lines that are ingrained into my memory and and into pop culture that when certain things come up that I, I am still so shocked because I'm still getting over the previous five minutes. <laughs> um, so like anytime a gun is pulled and and you know you have one pulled in the first seven minutes and then you, and then like it comes back at the end like that. That is always like you couldn't even have a joking scene like that. And it really places you, it puts a pin down right in the middle of the time when this is recorded because Exactly. I mean, and and that's way before Columbine, but like I mean, I don't know like, like I said before, we're not this is a this this movie forms a genre all of its own. It's not um, you know, you don't find that that kind of a thing in many teen no. movies. Yeah, and they even said like oh right at the next scene. Oh, it wasn't loaded, or it only it was only loaded oh, it with only blanks, had blanks, so yeah. it's no big deal. And I'm thinking, uh, yeah, that's a big deal. You can't just bring guns to school. Right. Uh, <laughs> blanks um, don't work yeah, like I that. I mean, he, that's why it's it's funny when you bring up Heather's as like a a Mean Girls movie because it is the predecessor, like literally a direct link to the film Mean Girls. Like you can draw a line connecting the two of them. Um, I yeah. don't think Mean Girls would exist without Heather's. Probably mm-hmm. not. I do like those high school. I still like that high school tropes with the like the popular girls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and- but that well, yeah. The reason I bring that up though is because it's a, a thing. It's funny because I did the same thing when I was rewatching it this time. Like even in the first seven minutes, you want to be so roped into that fantasy, crazy, weird, like Alice in Wonderland opening scene lifestyle of these rich girls. But then you forget, like, oh yeah, central character in this is a male. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. central like catalyst here is, I mean, and really, really, he drives a lot of, he's almost like a puppet master. He drives a lot yeah. of what, of the action of what the girls do or have done to them. But at the same time, like this, oh yeah, he's, he's really the behind the scenes force here. And I, and I forgot it again, watching it. I mean, I know he's, he, yeah. I know he's the main thing, but then like, I just get so pulled into that beginning scene. I love I every time I watch it, I I I pause when it ends um, when we meet the girls playing croquet, and then I rewind it and I go and watch it like two more times because it's just beautiful and so yes. freaking weird. 
It is it is absolutely weird. And I didn't know how to play croquet or anything. But um <laughs> and I still don't, but I get the gist of like, you know, you can knock somebody out and get um and take the points or or you can be nice. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the, the idea behind it, I mean, it has that the whole scene is anytime they're in that that courtyard, that scene, and even on the patio with the parents, like it's very, the colors are particularly chosen. Um, and, the, you know, the, the croquet stick and ball that they're using matches their outfits. And mm-hmm. it's like, it's all very particularly done and staged to look kind of Alice in Wonderlandy, which is, you know, a a novel that really shows you like the strict, crazy weirdness of how British society like molded children into something that they didn't want to be. And that's how this movie opens. And it, and it is about, it is about what society does to teenagers, which is Mm -hmm. a crazy thing for the late eighties, I think. Yes. In, or in well, a movie for teens, which is why I, this doesn't fit into into the same category. Yeah. If I would have saw this, I wasn't, you know, I saw it when I was much older than the time period in which it came out. And so my mom would have killed me if I would have saw this as like a preteen or whenever it came <laughs> out. Yeah. I mean, I was too, I was born in 82. So yeah. I was a child. I wouldn't have known. But yeah, I, I wouldn't have I'm pretty sure I probably either. saw it for the first time when I was like in maybe 10th or 11th grade. Yeah, that's about that's about the same for me. And I remember thinking, <laughs> this is messed up. This <laughs> I, I watched it. Uh, Sunday. But I, I mean, I loved it. Uh, but I loved it for its weirdness. Now, Liz had not seen it prior to this homework assignment. That is correct. I saw it yesterday for the first time. So, so you're no longer a virgin. No. <laughs> <laughs> Your worldview nope. is completely changed. <laughs> uh, it is. I made uh, I made Paul watch it with me, so that was entertaining. Had he seen it before? Quarantine date night. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, we have a threesome here. That's not a fun one. Oh. So uh, <laughs> always weird to watch movies with your parents in the room, kind of thing. Yeah. Oh. Um, but, but no, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, this was not remotely what I was expecting it to be. Uh, so that was interesting. Yeah. I was actually wondering what you were expecting because you did tell me you hadn't seen it and I was wondering Mm -hmm. what you thought it was going to be. I guess I thought it was going to be a more along the lines of maybe more of a dramatic version of something like 16 Candles or The Breakfast Club, like a John Husey kind of feel or just that, again, that high school thing and, and no, no, no. That, <laughs> I just, I just love what the I fact you, that uh, that you kind of went in blind because mm-hmm. uh, I almost wish I could watch it again without knowing what was in it. Mm. You know what it's, I mean? Yeah, yeah, something. <laughs> I mean, when I was young, I, I'm probably and I don't really have memories of watching it, like when I was in high school. But I'm pretty sure I I saw it when I was like in tenth or eleventh grade. But then probably not again until like a few years later. Um, but I, I think all I remember is just thinking it was very funny. Uh, yeah. And that, that the dark humor of it really got me when I was a kid. But I don't think I thought about the story at all. Yeah, I felt like it was a comedy um, mm-hmm. more than like, so Jawbreaker kind of was similar lines, I think, um, you know, and that was a 2000 movie. And that that was really, really dark. And I thought that was more of a not not quite a horror movie, but like a suspense or a um, just like one evil person, what they can do to infiltrate. But I never thought the same as Heather's. Heather's, it was like, 
what if, you know, like, what if scenarios that just went a little twisted and disturbing? Right. Is how I, is how I saw Heather's. Mm-hmm. But um, it is, and now, uh, you know, as I continue to watch it, it is so fucked up. I, <laughs> I go, I watch it and I think, okay, first of all, how easy was it just to just get over the fact that he just murdered somebody right in front of you? You know? Yeah. Here, just write this note. You're fine. It's what, with fine. the first murder? Yeah. yeah. With the very first murder, the first Heather, the Heather Chandler. Right? Right. Is that clearly he gave her Drano right. and, and he killed her. And she was kind of okay with it. And she continued to be kind of okay with it for some time until he killed two more people. And he's like, oh, she's like, oh, that's the line. I drew the line. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think the idea is that she is shocked. She is shocked. I mean, watching her facial expressions change throughout those scenes is, I think, the key thing. Um, But I think most of of it is disbelief. Like, I don't believe this is happening. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? I, I want to hear what Liz thinks about it because she she has only seen it the one time. Yeah, yeah, I've only seen it once. It's, I do feel like this is a movie that I'm going to have to watch again, even though I don't particularly want to watch it again because <laughs> it's so fucked up. And I'm like, eh. Oh, but I think I, I would it. pick up more on it as I went. But you know, she even says to him in, in the kitchen uh, while they're collecting their "we're going to make Heather puke" uh, concoctions. She's like, "You can't feed her drain cleaner; that will kill her." Like, duh, right? And seems to be not remotely concerned that he's still going forward with putting this in a cup and taking it upstairs and tricking her into. Like, I must have blinked at some, at this point because I'm like, "Why would she was he- she's here giving exposition on why she would never drink that?" And then all of a sudden, she drinks it and. Now she's on the floor. I'm like, what? Yeah. Well, so. the idea was that the mugs got switched. Did you see that? Mm-mm. I think I blinked. So. <laughs> I, I saw that. And he like acted like he was correcting her. He 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 wanted to say, oh, uh, and then he stopped. He stopped. I uh, But I think he did it entirely on purpose. And that was more of a, in case she notices, I seem to care a little bit. Yeah, and I think the idea behind this, and this was clear to me more watching it this time than normal. I think it's because I, every time I watch it, I think of it in a different, like I focus on a different person or or something like that. But he is really like the male version of like the female, the classic like female temptress where you have the female being Mm. someone who's a distractor. Mm -hmm. And I think in that scene you see is where you first start to see it because they're filling the mug. They fill the mug. She tells him, no, that's going to kill her or whatever. And then he's like, she's like, let's just mix orange juice and milk. Right. Is that what they do? And Mm -hmm, she's like, but they can't see it if you put it in this mug. And then you have the one mug with the cover on it. Um, and one without, and he distracts her by kissing her, and she doesn't see it, and she picks up the wrong mug, um, the yeah. one with the cover on it. But she's also a dumb dumb for not realizing that there's a cover on it, but, right? Yeah. <laughs> but to me, like that's where that kind of thing starts, and he almost doesn't really matter after things start to get rolling after that because he's just like he's just a kind of like a devilly ghost figure in the background, mm-hmm. just kind of pushing her. To do like, will she do this? Will she not do this? Like, will she care? Like, kind of like that. And he's like, and her conscious like has to take over. Yeah, it, he may not have even existed, right? You know, um, I mean, he did in the story, <laughs> but like, 
he could have been like a Tyler Durden at this thing because she seemed that she was feeling so detached from the Heathers, right? And mm-hmm. kind of sick of that. And he became an outlet for her to to rebel against that and what she was supposed to be. So she could have... E- It could have easily been something along those lines. I think that, you know, at the end of the day, she ends up in a mental institution and they're like, "Uh, Christian Slater never went here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that is a scenario that you could easily see happening, right? And like all of these terrible things, like all of her friends are dead. (laughs) Yeah, because she kind of, she talked herself into accepting it all up until the very end. Right. Um, Well, it's it reminded me a lot of like that, you know, that boyfriend that's, you know, he's a bad boy and he's bad news and he works to separate you from the herd and then ostracize, you know, it's like that abusive mm-hmm. boyfriend kind of thing, like ostracize you from the herd, get you to do things that you would never do. And uh, so that was where like my brain and psyche was really going with that is just watching her accept things she shouldn't and then kind of come to that realization that, oh, wait, no, no, this guy's like a super bad guy. And then trying to, you know, to write it. So. Yeah. And the thing that I thing that I love is like that the movie, yes, like like many things, it exists on a bunch of different levels. But there's such a cool format to that, to this film where it's like, especially in the first half, you really do like you if you want to see him as a real person, he's a real student in the school, like with an actual backstory. He's not really a big like a symbol for anything outside of that. But like, it really follows the structure of yes, with with this crazy dark humor folded on top of it, but a structure of, yeah, like you said, that bad boy coming in and like, and and showing or being being someone who can show this girl who doesn't really like her friends a different way of, you know, a different lifestyle mm-hmm. or an outlet or something like that. But it is a is a mean girl story with a dark edge to it. But then it takes on a whole like it's impossible to not delve into into like a symbolic meaning when it turns <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. when it starts to turn and that's that's one of the things i love about it is it has those two it is a story about school and about teenagers and about girls and what and and it really goes beyond girls like what mm-hmm. what kids will do to do you know to get things that they want or to be with the people that what that they want um, or yeah. to not be with the people that they were, you know? It, you know, to me, I kind of looked at it more like a, um, when you try and justify your own actions, like that cognitive dissonance, or w- when you do something that you would normally completely object to, and then you think, oh, but it's because I am so in love and there's this, there was an accident, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's, oh, I was in so in love, but these guys were basically rapists. And then you start going, oh, but this woman was evil. So she starts to try and talk herself into the reasons behind it, why why she wanted to do it. And then she saw that it never changed, that, you know, all these deaths didn't change anything. Because then um, Shannon Daughtery became Heather Chandler, right? Mm -hmm. And it just kept going and going. And the big bomb at the end or the big explosion at the end that she kind of uh, kicked out was her way of kind of stopping this ball from rolling, but it never really stopped. Yeah. And in a way she kind of becomes worse. Yeah. Yeah. Or you could see that she would continue to become worse if it had gone on. Yeah. I, th- I think that she could have talked herself out 
of all of it, except for there towards the end when she, when her life became at danger. Right. Because otherwise, she was fine. I, I think she was fine with it. I was very concerned that she was not concerned. <laughs> does, that, <laughs> does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> and well, I like think- she says, like, you know, when she's questioned, like, why are you doing this? And she says, because I can. And that's mm-hmm. that's like a thing mm-hmm. throughout the movie from the beginning, that they do things because they can. Yeah. Well, and, and even after, you know, Heather Chandler dies and they write a suicide note and, oh my gosh, if the popular girl can commit suicide, then I can too. And it became like that popularity thing of, oh, that's, that's what we're doing now. Okay. And the, you know, the lemmings <laughs> run off the cliff. And, uh, we had the one girl, that poor girl that they were setting oh, they- up and making fun of. What's her name? Anybody know? Martha. No idea. And, uh, you know, for her to try to walk out into traffic like that was just like, oh, ouch. It was so sad. Yeah. And that, that when they make that, is it, did they make that announcement in school that she, or someone tells her in school that she tried, I don't remember. And I think someone told them in school. Yeah. Yeah, Shannon Daughtry's Heather character told her and was laughing the whole time. Like, oh, she thinks she's popular. You know, she wants to do what the popular kids do. So she tried to kill herself and she's laughing about it. Yeah, that that scene that or that announcement or whatever adds to that idea of like this is really something that is like you know it is completely messed up and weird, dark, twisted view of what teenagehood is like. But that that idea of we're all doing this because we want to, everything that we do is to impress each other every single day. Yeah. I mean that that line of I mean that's often what dark comedy does is it draws like this really sharp comparison to really real things Mm -hmm. um and then they just take it too far and it makes it i don't know it's it that's what i like about it though yeah i think that was that felt real it felt like something that would really happen um you know had these other popular people actually committed suicide that it might actually stem from a like hey this is what I can do as my last hurrah for somebody that is particularly depressed. So I think that that could actually happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and that if we're thinking of it, like you guys pick this as one of your movies for a mean girls theme. So I think like you really have to go back to that core and think about why is this fit into that category? And why is like, like I said earlier, something like, something like, um, you know, the movie Mean Girls, like you really can Mm -hmm. connect these two together, even though they're made in drastically different periods of time. Um, But I don't think one would exist without the other. And, and if you look at the movie, the, I'm sorry, the, uh, the cover of Heather's, you know, it's called, even if you've never seen it before, like, that's why I'm wondering what Liz thought uh, before she saw it, like, if you've (laughs) never seen it, it's called Heather's. Like, it's obviously like, what does that mean? Like what's Heather's? And then the cover of it is not a group of women, you know, right. It's a couple. Yeah. And, and her name is Veronica. Right. (laughs) Like, wait, even, even without knowing the name of the girl that's on the cover, like, yeah, it's, it's like, what is, what is the focus of this? Like, is this, is this movie about what girls do to each other, what young girls do or what they are capable of doing? Or is it about something else? Is it about overcoming that? Like, why are those two on the cover? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So that's interesting to me to think of. Yeah, because I mean, in my head, I always think of the walking down the hall trope, right? Where um, all of the popular people, everybody wants to look at them, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what makes this one, this this movie so kind of 
precious in a way is that it's just twists it and makes it so disturbing on top of the already kind of disturbing nature of cliques in high school. But throwing that manslaughtery uh, <laughs> turn to it really is messed up. And so that's, that's kind of why I like the movie. But I can see why you may not like it, Liz. <laughs> <laughs> so did you not like it at all, Liz, at all? Uh, I liked a lot of things that happened in it. Okay, so uh, Otho from Beetlejuice being the uh, the <laughs> oh, yeah. minister uh-huh. at the funerals was kind of hilarious. It's so trippy I, that scene. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was very Beetlejuicey. It was mm-hmm. very weird, and uh, he's just such an odd, an odd duck, if you will. <laughs> that uh, that he kind of you're like, wait a minute, am I supposed to be taking like I. I know that, like, Paul kept saying, this is a dark comedy. I see the dark. Where's the comedy? But, you know, and then funny little things would pop up. And it's like, if you had taken those kind of little weird moments out, it would have been a really, really fucking dark movie. And it still was. But again, oh, we're going to lay these football players to rest with their helmets on and holding plastic footballs while dad stands up here and, and whines about how he loves his gay son. Oh my God, I love it. <laughs> I yeah. love it so like, much. <laughs> and, yeah, but you know, and, and of course, I've just, you know, just came off watching you know, the Tiger King crap and, and <laughs> looking at his funeral for Travis and that, you're like, uh, <laughs> what? Like, it was like, okay, he did that for real though. <laughs> Yeah, that funeral's even more fucked up than this one. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the weird things about uh, that was, I mean, some of the dark comedy things, it was like, oh, hey, we put sparkling water in here. So then you could just assume they're gay. It's like, oh, yes. Good right. job. Mineral water I mean, or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. or min- yeah, mineral water. I mean, that's so 1988, though. I mean, a lot, yeah, that's a lot of the things. It's this is. It's, I think it's one of the reasons why this movie still remains such a popular, strong cult classic, even now. And when and when teenagers like I, I showed this to some of my last students I had in my last because I taught seniors. So, uh, mm-hmm. and they were like, "How have I never seen this movie?" And they thought it was hilarious. Um, but it's, that's why it still remains like a relevant cult classic because where a lot of times when you watch things from the late '80s and early '90s, and and especially if they're teenager focused or they have kids in it and the kids make either like homophobic jokes or just like jokes that teenagers would make towards each other like that are anti-women or whatever you wouldn't have and it's like comes at a shock sometimes where you're like like it happens when I'm watching friends like the jokes and friends Mm -hmm. don't hold up like just their casual homophobia is like Mm -hmm. um, it's like sometimes like oh my god I can't believe they're talking about this and um, but in Heather's it, because it's a dark comedy, it almost feels like that's part of the comedy yeah. I, in some way. Like it, it's almost feels more harsh. It feels like it's harsh. So when like the jocks are being total dicks, um, and just awful human beings, even like from the beginning, it, it, there's, it, there's a shock to hearing the things that they say and talk about, but at the same, like, especially the way they talk about women, um, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it almost feels like it belongs in that movie. It doesn't feel, it doesn't feel, um, wrong in the same way that, I don't know, that a lot of things from that time period can feel like, oh, I don't really want to watch this. It's like, it's a different kind of cringe. Yeah. I yeah. I think it makes the audience too kind of go, 
Well, yeah. Then they died, so okay. Like, <laughs> like they got they got something from. I don't know. I mean, it's just like when you watch somebody, you know, who's who seems to be terrible, and then they die. You're like, yeah, I guess I could be just like uh, Veronica here and justify this uh, as yeah. well, because this guy's a complete dick. These guys are gonna go off and date rape somebody. You can tell. Oh, so yeah. maybe. It's all for good. I'm not saying that it is good. It's not. But I can kind of see some of the reasoning behind her uh, acceptance of this. Right. Well, and he also ties her into what's happening enough that even if she decided, okay, I, you know, this isn't right. This is wrong. I need to call the police. He's entangled her in this by lying to her or tricking her or doing whatever it is, sleight of hand that he's doing to make this happen that she is also going to be kind of fully tangled up in that. And, uh, you know, I, I, and, and again, a normal human would go, that's not right. And like, I got to get away from this and, you know, consequences be damned. But she's just like, meh. She kind of moves into apathy until it comes down to, okay, now he's told my parents that I'm committing suicide and uh, now they won't let me out of my room. So it's, it's, you know, comes, becomes a little bit more of a selfish let me take care of myself kind of thing. Do you think now I, I've been asking this for all the mean girls movies, um, the character arcs, who did Veronica grow from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie as a person? Depends what we're, ta- what we mean by growing here. She changed. <laughs> she changes. Yeah. She changes, but, but I don't think she grows. Yeah. I think she kind of just realized that, Hey, you know, Killing hundreds of people is a lot different than killing two. Right. But that's all I really see her growth. I'm not I'm not sure if we're meant to see growth um yeah. here. I I feel like you're meant to see a transformation and it's almost it's not cautionary, but it's it's almost like yeah. a here's you know, not that this anything like this would go on in a real high school person's life, high school student's yeah. life, but it's almost like see what happens or what could happen um, when you yeah. allow yourself to become caught up in 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 what starts as just the innocent ways that teenagers treat each other, mm-hmm. the ways that they go about dealing with being, you know, insecure and needing to fit in. And, you know, yeah. I don't know. I feel like a lot of that, the meaning of her or or what happens to her just really goes the only way to really think about it because there is no real good change. Um, yeah. But the only way to really think about it, I think, is to go back to that basic, like, she's a teenager. She's a teenage girl. And, um, you know, what do teenage girls fear? And what, you know, what are they afraid of the most? And what are they, what are they fighting with yeah. every single day? And yeah. why is she wearing a monocle? Because <laughs> she's know, so that was freaking weird. cool. It's so fucking weird. She uh, every letter that she wrote was also three inches high. I'm like, I know Paul's you like, could who save writes some in paper? a notebook like that? Yeah. <laughs> Psycho. Oh, I love yeah. it. And I, by the way, Beetlejuice and Heather's same year. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? The the aesthetics are very similar. Yeah, they're a good double feature. Like if you were looking at the two of them sitting next to each other, but you know, you don't know who to root for in Beetlejuice if you watch it after. <laughs> <laughs> go for the snake <laughs> but i you know i i like that you know we kind of referenced it as kind of more of a cautionary tale but this like the growth of the characters 
is and the lack of growth has been actually common through all of the Mean Girls movies. There really hasn't been. Nobody learned their lesson. Nobody became a better person at the end. Lindsay Lohan's character, maybe. Yeah, I was going to say, who else did you? What else did you do? You did Mean Girls. Yes. Yeah, we did Mean Girls. Now, now she didn't really get better. She just got worse and then back to better. Does that make sense? Yes. Uh, in her, in her arc, and mm. uh, we did Carrie. None of those, all those mean girls died, so we're good. <laughs> um, and, then, and then we did Clueless. So Cher, it wasn't a full on mean girl. No. We decided, Mm-mm. yeah. But she, you know, she she's the queen bee. And if you looked at it from like this is all from her perspective. If the same movie was shot from another perspective, it would probably have a very different feel to it. Um, but she, she, I think does grow. Oh, she's the only amazing. Yeah. She's an amazing yeah. teenage girl character. I think she's a role model character. I, I, mean, I agree. That's, I, I think she's one of the best. Um, I mean, in that movie, I think is, I know that there's, that also has a cult following of its own, but that, yeah. movie, that movie does not get the credit that it deserves. It's, yeah. it's really very well made. <laughs> So, mm-hmm. so that one we we decided during our podcast that Dion and Amber and Ty were really the mean girls, um, and not necessarily Cher, because and she was you know when she got uh, usurped from the throne, she didn't become such a terrible person, uh, whereas the rest of them seemed to be. So she actually did. She had a nice growth arc, um, but I didn't feel like even from the very beginning that she was a mean girl. She was just a self-centered girl. Yeah, but she mm-hmm. almost gets usurped because she becomes better. Because she yeah. becomes yeah. like altruistic and therefore doesn't have a place there. And it lo- and and by like you know next to that, next to next to her kind of changing, there's there's not a spot for that. They they don't know how to deal with that, so they kind of become they or seem like they're becoming worse. I think mm-hmm. during that time, but but that that's another film where you talk about the influence of girls or teenagers on each other because really mm-hmm. they are all good people though at the end like they're not really even their self centered like rich super mega rich girl ways they they do have they do have this bend to what they do that is is altruistic in some way mm-hmm. um, and they think they're doing good when really it just seems silly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think they're doing good, and they they don't realize the impact it has on others. And right, Cher was the only one really that kind of picked up on that later. I mean, after she already kind of pushed Ty away from Travis without thinking about it, and you know things like that, where she just wasn't looking anything from another perspective. At the end, she was. So yeah, so Cher did have the most growth, but we didn't consider her a mean girl from the very beginning. Yeah. Mm-mm. And so, like, if you go back to Heather's, then, like, where do you put Heather's on that spectrum? Like, you're thinking about all the other films you've done. Way closer to Carrie. Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, not quite Carrie, but right next to it. Yeah. I mean, and I don't know, what did you what did you guys decide about Carrie? Well, that we've, I think we decided justifiable homicide, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's how we rank our uh, rank our villainesses oh, oh. when we're doing these things. <laughs> the female is, deaths. Are they? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, are they psychotic or are they justifiably homicidal? Right. Like that's that's when we're uh, analyzing uh, evil characters or the evilness of them and where it comes from. And like again, I don't think Carrie was evil at all. However, no, no. that bitch in the school was for sure, and they remain that way. So it wasn't yeah. that Carrie. Um, 
Carrie was evil. I mean, she certainly did, um, you know, kill people. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, but is the world better off? It is a little. Yeah. Well, and when we rewatched it as well, it's funny watching it now as opposed to, you know, when I was a kid or whenever I saw it before, is that I'm watching it like, did she really kill them? Did she set – she didn't really set a fire on purpose. She sprayed people with a water hose and it hit electrical <laughs> circuits and that's what started the fire. Totally accidental. Well, so- and I was like, who could prove it? Like, what are you going to say? Well, she looked at the light switch and it uh- – <laughs> That's the other thing. Like, no, how would they know it was her? Why would they know it was her? It's like a – I don't know. So I think the Mean Girls and Carrie were awful. And, mm. um, but it was a horror movie. So it was a completely different set of Mean Girls. Um, the Mean Girls and Heathers were particularly awful, especially since, um, like Heather Chandler would, um, you know, wanted her rather to get raped than to, uh, get out of a party. Right. Because it was embarrassing for her. There was uh, a lot more psychological warfare going on in Heather's yeah. than there was in, like, Carrie, they were very physical with her. They'd walk by and hit her and slap her and punch her and throw tampons at her and dump pig blood. So, like, that was very, yeah, like Heather's would be like, if we did it now, it would be what's happening with like Snapchat and, and cyberbullying mm-hmm. and things like that. Like it was, there was a lot of it going on behind the scenes and little, oh, you can, you can duplicate anybody's handwriting. Let's, let's send them little shitty notes. Like, you know, so there was a lot of psychological stuff that was going on, which honestly would, does, would and does lead people towards suicide. So the fact that they were managing to get this, murder or accidental homicide or whatever we want to call the very first one. Uh, and they pass it off as suicide and then it becomes, a, Oh, but it, but again, the teachers are like, let's take 10 minutes, bow our heads and move on with our day. Let's not focus on it. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, the hippie teachers like, let's get the, the television and sing Kumbaya, blah, blah, blah. And so it's, it's just a weird, like the whole thing is very jarring psychologically. Like it's just kind of all over the place. When the principal says, is this Veronica? Oh, is this Heather, the cheerleader? And then they correct <laughs> him, and he's like, "Oh man, if it was a cheerleader, I would give you half a day." <laughs> right? It's I like, know. Ugh. It's like even the adults, like the adult that's at the highest of the chain in the school, is tuned into that social connect, that social web of like, mm-hmm. oh, if it was a cheerleader, it would be more important. And that, to me, like little digs like that are very funny to me. In that. I, I, yeah, I here's that. another question. Why why did the Heather with the poodle hair look 45? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's looks she so much older than she looks so much older than everyone else. It's bizarre. It is. That was I, a very 80s thing. They're like, yeah, we can have a 50-year-old play a 19-year-old. That's fine. That's uh, totally and just, yeah. And in general, they it, it a very 80s thing. In general, they also just dress older. Like they yeah. especially it seems like and it seems to that this seems to be like across the board, no matter what you watch from that time period, like the more money they have, like the kids will dress like more mini adults. Um, yeah, yeah, like the, that, the, that yuppie thing. Yeah. Yeah. The double breasted blazers. I'm like, really? It's California. Isn't it's like, that a little warm? <laughs> it's like, I do remember being a kid in the 80s. I mean, I'm, I'm a mid 70s baby. So, so I remember this and I don't remember any of my friends, like, teenage brothers and sisters dressing like these people do at all. So it's just like, yeah. what? These schools are weirdly formal yeah. for 1989. Mm-hmm. And it's not it, – yeah, it wasn't like they were at a private school or, you mm-hmm. know, at, at like a, you know, 
it it was a public school, but yeah, that that and when you're when you're in their private world, that's why I keep going back. Now I'm thinking of their outfits, and I keep going back to that first scene, which I just love so much. But when yeah. you're in their mm-hmm. private world, you get a sense that you're in this like otherworldly place. Like it's it's almost like yeah. a dreamlike state, and then they have to go. And it's like reminding me of what I was going to say before when you were talking about, um, you know, the quality of meanness of 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 the girls and you mm-hmm. know placing them in order or whatever but the mean girls here in heathers like all the heathers <laughs> they <laughs> there's almost like a business like business like quality to the way they go about mm-hmm. their day like opening that scene in the cafeteria with like okay now it's time to go do our poll Right. And it's like it's what time is that for the mean? minutes and like take down the minutes. Yeah, we're thrown into that like as if we are we like this is normal, like this is just what they do. And I feel like that sets them apart. There's something different about that. There's an adult like quality to that as well. Like uh, it's it's an important business. This is our our business is being awful. Like it, mm-hmm. they have they go yeah. out of their way to be. What's awful. their job? Yeah. yeah, this is my yeah. job, and I take it seriously. And a lot of the other Mean Girls that you see, like even in the movie Mean Girls, like yeah, they'll be mean, like go out of their way to be mean. But most of what people are afraid of is just literally their presence in a room and and what they look like, and you know, mm-hmm. kind of this attitude and air that they have. But in this movie, it's like they're they're going up to people and physically and like, well, not physically, but like verbally, you know, engaging with them in a way that's, that's mean. And, and I feel like that's, that sets them apart. Yeah. I, you know, at the very beginning though, remember they got Veronica to write uh, the letter to To the girl, yeah, to Martha. Like, so Veronica never really had too much of a moral compass. She would oppose them verbally, but she didn't oppose them with any kind of significance. So I, there's a help, there's a helplessness about her. Like, yeah, yeah. She's just like, this is what I have to do because I'm getting, I'm in the group, the Heathers, but I'm Veronica. I don't know. I just, why would you even let somebody into the Heathers if her name is Veronica? I know. It seems like somebody are just waiting to set up for something. Or maybe I'm just jaded from watching these movies. <laughs> As a maybe. Heather, I would not let non-Heathers into the Heathers. Mm-hmm. Well, I said for the, I was telling Paul for this episode that we need to go by Heather, Heather, Heather Liz, and Heather Sarah and just, you know. <laughs> well, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we will talk a little bit more about Heathers. Hi, this is Mouse. I'm Weens. <laughs> we have the Mouse and Weens podcast. Mouse and Weens. I'm a big sister in San Diego with kids, and I'm married. And I have uh, no friends. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, I do. I have friends. I just don't have any boyfriends or love. <laughs> anyway, Mouse and Weens podcast, you should listen to it. Yeah, it's, it's not really depressing. Fun. We talk about family stories, life and love, and kids, and all the things you're interested in. We promise. Yay! Celebrities in Hollywood, too. Poke your little turtle head out and come listen to us. <laughs> Mouse and Weens. Bye. Bye. Did you ever go on vacation with your family and hope the dance instructor would fall in love with you? No, but I did think a guy with a giant boombox playing Peter Gabriel outside my window in the middle of the night meant true and undying love. Listen to our podcast, Happily Ever Aftermath, where we revisit these movies and it turns out they weren't the best ideas. What were we thinking? You can find our podcast, Happily Ever Aftermath, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. You can also tweet at us at H-E-A-M-C-A-S-T, Heemcast. All right, so I guess, are we back? Yep, we're back. All right, we're back. Good. 
<laughs> We're back, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag professionals. <laughs> All right. So um, let's uh, talk about just kind of just do a roundtable here. Your favorite part of the movie and go. <laughs> Let me think. Oh, man, I should have thought about this while we were taking that very silent break where no one was talking to each other. <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> oh. We were listening to our awesome promos. I don't know if I have a favorite part. I have a lot of favorite lines. Um, okay. I'll take well, a favorite go line. With that. Let's, let's see favorite <clears throat> lines. Oh, my God. Uh, they just they come at you so fast. Um, I'm trying to think. Although I do love – um, I do love the first, oh, I like when she first talks to Christian Slater. I like that beginning scene. And I, I love the opening scene. I've said that like five times. Mm-hmm. So, um, the first, I would say 20 minutes or so, I think are the best. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, going from the crazy surreal croquet scene to the, with the amazing song and everything and the music and everything. And then like, it's your turn, Heather. No, Heather, it's your turn. Heather, mm-hmm. it's your turn. And then Heather's reading Moby Dick. Like I love all of that. I love <laughs> yeah. all of that weirdness. And then it goes right into the school. And and isn't Veronica's head coming up out of the ground? Love it. And yeah, <laughs> it's so great. And then it goes right into the school, the cafeteria scene, which is which is another great one. But yeah, her her meeting Christian Slater for the first time, and then also when they're heading to that terrible party, and uh, uh, she stops in to get the snacks or whatever and Christian Slater's yeah, yeah. in there. I love that scene too. And then that's where they oh, what's that line where he, about a slushy that he says somewhere when they start doing all the murders, um, he says something oh my God. I think it's right after they kill the guys. He says he references that slushy scene. And he says like, mm. we're both gods. Wanna go get a slushy or something? <laughs> I love that. Like there are lines in there where he in that like the, like when all of that starts to happen, that he when he refers to them as being in control, but then turns it into a joke. Oh, it's so great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wrote down. I was like, so Christian Slater moved around a lot because he's a murderer. Like, yeah, and there, there's some, well, then you find logical. out about his dad too. His dad. What's the whole thing? Did you guys catch that story towards the end? Yeah, that the, like his mom killed herself by being in getting uh, in the building. He was blowing up. Yeah, you know? his dad's blowing up a building and. <laughs> so weird because but it almost sounded like he talked her into yeah. it like tricked her into it's it very so. confusing and disorienting and and but earlier in there he says something about um before you know that like earlier when he mentions his mom he's like oh the last time i saw my mom was waving from a library window isn't that right dad <laughs> and i know, like, and i got that line i was like did the library drive away like i don't understand it's but, stationary yeah. you could have just walked back inside and it's like, so confusing and it's like and you don't yeah. get it until later on but even then you're like wait well why did he say isn't that right dad was it on purpose mm-hmm. i don't know the whole movie is disorienting in that way which is what's cool yeah about it. and I, you never can figure out that um, that final motivation was uh, Christian Slater. I forgot his name. Uh, was Christian Slater involved? JD. Mm-hmm. Okay. So was JD involved in his mother's murder? Was his dad involved in his mother's murder? Did his mother commit suicide? And JD is constantly trying to replicate the scenario in which his mom died. Ooh. All of those are open and still options. You know, I just finished a book this past week that was on that very thing. It was basically a child of suicide who sought out other children of suicide 
and he worked behind the scenes to convince them to commit suicide. Like, it was just wow. a crazy – Yeah, it was really bizarre. But it was like, this is – because there's such a mindset around suicide and the people who are left behind, especially the children of people who commit suicide, as to where – they either feel it was their fault or they weren't loved enough, left behind, but they also go down, a lot of them go down the same kind of cycle. And so the ones who don't were the ones this guy was targeting, like the people who were getting better and getting help and, you know, trying to get away from this shitty circumstance that this guy couldn't bother with. So that's that's a really interesting thought process as well. So. Yeah. Yeah, I do think that he, at some times, like, kind of made it clear that he wasn't happy about like that he he doesn't like that his mother is gone Mm -hmm. i feel like that is a part of it but i i don't know the whole situation with him and his dad was weird really weird like the dad son exchanging voices to talk kind of thing was just very it got and it comes out of nowhere it's like well it almost yeah because they just start that way it's not like they start normal and then dive into it it's almost like they went to a counselor who told them that they needed to switch places and they just never bothered switching back yeah and then when veronica's like do you actually like your dad and he's like it never actually occurred to me Well, you know, it's weird. (laughs) Veronica's relationship with her parents, too, they kind of had this, um, I don't know, like she was the grown up. Yeah. Uh, Why do I do these things? Because you're an idiot. Oh, my God. Those parallel scenes, those would be probably, those are ranked up there as like my second favorite. Those parallel scenes throughout the movie with the parents are amazing. Why do Mm -hmm. I keep reading this book? Because you're an idiot. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sounds good. Thanks for reminding me. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to think about having the same conversation with my own parents <sighs> as a teenager and how fast my head probably would have been snapped off my neck. And mm-hmm. like, just, no. Yeah. That's more like the conversations we're having now. Uh, so, um, what about you, Liz? Did you have a favorite part? Uh, I have to say anything that had Otho in it doing uh, funerals <laughs> in weird ways and uh, sunglasses at funerals. Like, I like, you know, actually, somebody was talking to me today about the relationship between Michelle Obama and George W. Bush. And I was like, we need more funeral purse candy. Like this whole movie to me yeah. had fern- funeral purse candy just like running through. It. <laughs> yeah, it's like. It's like we're in a shitty place, but here's a piece of candy. It'll keep you satisfied while we're in here. So I don't yeah, know. It was, it was I think weird. that you just like uh, summed up Heather's in a bow. It's funeral <laughs> purse candy. <laughs> it's uh, bad things are happening, but then there's still fun, some fun in there. But there's candy, yeah. So yeah. how bad can it be? <laughs> yeah. That's that's kind of it. I don't know. It was a very weird movie, and it's it's one of those that I do think it needs. It's. It, it, it need needs to further, it. yeah. Yeah, you need to it needs watch it again. Viewings. You need to watch it yeah. again. And I almost watched it a second time uh, this morning, but I was like, no, no, let me just go in with my initial thoughts and see how wonky they are. Because when I posted on Facebook that I was watching this movie, so many people just jumped yeah. and they're like, oh my god, I love that movie, and I'm like, why? <laughs> but the more the more we're talking about it, the more I can see those sides. And again, I. 
when you're watching it for the first time and you kind of aren't or kind of Don't easily distractible. Yeah. No idea. Uh, and I'm easily distractible. So if I look down at my phone, I completely miss that he switched the cups, kissed the girl, and that she fell through a table. I just kind of looked up and, there was and a her mouth was there. blue. And then yeah. she's on the floor. Like, I was like, uh, what? So, yeah, it's. I, th- I think it it requires further. Viewing. I can't come on. So, when yeah. you get in a fight with your husband, you can always yell now. Fuck me gently with a chainsaw. <laughs> that is my favorite line. And I was like, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, li- I would have used that line forever, and I still will. So, okay. By the way, so my favorite part about the movie was just the clothes. I just love uh, the clothes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, and the what's your damage? Love that. What's your damage, uh, Heather. I, I use that one a lot. I forget mm-hmm. I how awesome that is, and I need to use it more often. Mm. Uh, <laughs> You're a virgin that can't drive. Don't forget yeah, that, that from was, Clueless. Yeah, <laughs> my favorite. Yep, yep. Like, what uh, a weird thing to say to someone. Yeah, but I, you know, and just the the 80s isms, you know, they had the same as like the the Clueless isms, right? They're the 90s isms, mm-hmm. where they were just uh, like, which oh, how very. Yeah, I like, love how very, very what like <laughs> like you're not supposed to end a sentence on very. <laughs> Oh, it's great. That was that was so 80s, though. That I know. Was that's perfect. That perfect valley girl kind of gag me with a spoon mm-hmm. kind of thing. So. Did all of our Mean Girls movies take place in California? I think so. so I'm not sure cl- about Carrie. I'm not sh- uh Carrie, I think, did. Uh, maybe not uh, Mean Girls. Yeah, is it? No. Mean Girls, like, is in the Midwest, isn't it? The, yeah, that's what I was thinking, like, a Midwest. Chicago? Maybe. They didn't really say. Or like say, Chicago maybe. adjacent. I would think it would probably be Chicago adjacent just from the Tina Fey, Amy Poehler. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, yeah. and, so. um, and um, Tim Meadows said, like, I didn't leave the south side of Chicago for this. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> Love Tim Meadows. Oh, my God. That, that was, he was so funny in that movie. <laughs> he was awesome. So I have a question for all of you, if I can, real okay. quick. It's kind of fun. I just thought of it one second. Okay, so all of the Mean Girl movies that you've seen, think about all of the girls, and who would you think would be friends with each other if you crossed them into different films? Hmm. Or who I think would all of the other? Heathers would be friends with the Mean Girls that was not um, the main Mean Girls. Everybody but Regina would have gotten along with the Heathers. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think that Carrie would have been friends with Martha from Heather's. Yeah, Probably. they both kind of had that social um, anxiety issues. And I would like to see them team up and take down the school and then expand out. <laughs> the Carrie the school. The Carrie school showed nobody of redeeming quality. The only person of redeeming quality got out. Mm-hmm. Right. And the greatest American hero whose fate is undetermined. <laughs> no, I think he died. So Yeah, I think so too. But... We don't know for sure. Well, he, everybody got locked in the gym and it was on fire. So I'm just and he gonna go out, with dead so, yeah. on that one. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think the uh, I think the greatest American hero would not have been friends with the jock douches from Heather's. But maybe JD. Maybe. maybe, but maybe he could talk down JD. I think that uh, John Travolta and Carrie would have been very good friends with JD. They would have both been sitting at that back lunch table with their forty-five caliber handguns <laughs> that no one seems concerned about. Nope. So. Yeah, J- uh, uh, John Travolta would have gotten along with JD. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that yeah. first time that JD pulls that gun is so jarring the way that shot mm-hmm. because it's like you're almost looking down the barrel of it with the mm-hmm. kids and I, yeah. it's just a great shot right there the way that's done so quickly and the kids like yeah. acting like dicks. Um mm-hmm. and and it was just off of the other scene where it was, you know, clearly like that uh uh fantasy realist, you know, and so you're thinking, did this really happen? That's what I kept thinking. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Is it just like a danger? There's a lot of that. Like they changed to that kind of fuzzy, fuzzy lens mm-hmm. kind of thing mm-hmm. like they did in the the beginning, the Alice kind of situation. And they do at the funerals where it's like, okay, wait a minute. Did Heather cut her wrists? We're at a funeral, but everyone's wearing sunglasses. And I don't think it's a real funeral. I think we're sleeping. You know, it was it, it just started getting a little mix up. And honestly, that's probably a really good kind of description of what was going on in Veronica's own head. Yeah. Right. Having a hard time kind of telling the difference between reality and this fantasy that JD is spinning for her about how they can do whatever they want and they just kill the people that wrong them and it's fine. And, you know, the world will be a better place when it's just, just you and me. And yeah. And she says right at the beginning when they're mixing that first mug, that concoction, she's like, it's like Mm -hmm. you've done this before. And he doesn't yeah, answer yeah. her. And I love that. It's just like a cold yeah. little like, hmm, it leaves. It. I love that, that she's, one, she just banged him in the uh, the the courtyard yeah. of her parents' back house. And then they go sneak into this other girl. So they just walk in and murder her. <laughs> she's like, how did you get out. in here? <laughs> it's like, like, well, apparently we the doors door. are wide open, dummy. <laughs> so uh, I guess this is before stranger danger. I don't know. It's just very weird. Before anything. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. I know. I th- I always thought that was weird too. It's like you just walked into their house. Like I had a lot a of problem. friends that I just walked into their house when I was growing up. Like their parents just left. We lived in a very small town, a very safe town. On my like, I used to keep my purse in my truck, unlocked in the driveway. Like it wasn't a wasn't a deal. It wasn't. You wouldn't a thing. have even so, thought about it. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. we never. I don't even know that we had a key to the doors of our house. Like they just, <laughs> if they locked, it's because the lock was what kept them closed. <laughs> And uh, so it just wasn't – I wouldn't have thought anything about it. Like I used to walk into my friends' houses constantly. But were you standing there when they when they woke up in the morning? <laughs> were you just standing no, there? No, no. <laughs> no, I, I did accidentally walk in on my friend and her boyfriend fucking. Oh, so that oh. was loads of fun. But it yeah. was like, um, I'm going to come back later. <laughs> That's why – this is why you knock, people. Like, this is, like, call me when you're done. Maybe close the door is all I'm saying. Yeah. So. <laughs> that one wasn't your fault. <laughs> no, no, not so much crazy crazy times all right um i think we got mean girls month wrapped up i know it's crazy it it did it felt like it went by really fast yeah felt like bat month and shark month really ran on and on but mean girls has flown by yeah so every episode during mean girls month i've actually wanted to kind of spotlight an organization that helps with um, anti-bullying measures um i wanted to focus on this one and um, actually, Lady Gaga started it. It's the Born This Way Foundation. Oh, cool. And mm-hmm. I love this foundation because, number one, it really focuses on um, the mental health um, of people, but also that it uses donorschoose.org, which kind of teams up with teachers. And if they have, uh, like, mental health resources, um, like um, projects and um, 
I don't know what what is it that teachers need supplies <laughs> of um, technology for, for, yeah, <laughs> Support, for partic- yeah especially for like a particular like a particular like one of their approved uh, plans and programs that they want to do they actually team up with donors choose and I like donors choose because I've donated it through like to my local schools mm-hmm. when they need to calculators and things like that but um yeah, it makes a ton of sense to do something that's actually not funded by most schools, which would be um, programs that were are there for mental health assistance. Also, I really love the enjoy the individuality of people and uh, appreciate the differences more than the uh, likeness that the Born This Way Foundation focuses on. So I really like it. And again, it, it is a, a certified uh, platinum completely transparent organization so we know where the money is going especially if it hooks through donors choose and donors choose uh you can see exactly where your money goes so very cool. awesome yep good choice good choice yeah mm-hmm. i i like that one all right so we've been doing one star amazon reviews for mean girls month <laughs> as our internet quoted the week yes i found a five star one that deserves to be up here uh <laughs> So, five-star Amazon review for A Bug's Life, 1998. I never knew what struggles bugs went through. Changed my life. (laughs) (laughs) So, there you go. Neither did I, actually. I know. know. It's a pretty eye-opening film. (laughs) It is. It's like a a documentary of the ages. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right. Well, I think that wraps up Mean Girls Month. It does. Thank you so much for being with us, Sarah. Why don't you tell people where they can find you if they want to connect? Sure. Um, you can find me. I, I'm pretty active on Twitter these days. So you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Scandala9. That's Scandala9, nickname given to me by a student. And <laughs> I think those are pretty the pretty big ones, I think. I mean, I'm on Facebook too, but I'm, mm-hmm. I deleted Facebook from my phone at the beginning of pandemic season because I can't handle oh, yeah, it anymore. Probably a good idea. Mm-hmm. Smart. <laughs> yeah. You can also you can also listen to my podcast, which is from Bell to Bell, a podcast about school, available wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> there That's you go. awesome. That's awesome. Well, thank you again for joining us. We so appreciated it. And, uh, you know, you're one of my favorite people. We've worked together for the last two years. We've which worked is so together. Much fun. We've quit together. Um, <laughs> solidarity sister we do we, you're like I'm gonna quit I was like me too <laughs> we have been planning it separately but then we realized that uh-huh. we didn't want to work there also if the other one wasn't working <laughs> yeah I told Paul it's like if if Sarah leaves I'm gone and I, I don't want to quit and leave her behind and apparently you were going through the same thing so it's oh, like okay God. we're just gonna do it one Perfect. two three band-aid like <laughs> and and it, and it's you know it's such a bigger fuck you like at the oh, end yeah. of the day when you quit with two people oh when one person has to do the jobs that a bunch well we weren't even the other ones there was a couple other people too i think but i yeah. i just oh, wow. uh, yeah when one person now has to do the job of like four people mm-hmm. yeah well there were like three of us at least that walked off completely at the same time yeah. and two others that were on kind of their own personal hiatus so it's like good luck with that mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. Enjoy. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. Enjoyed doing a fun, weird movie. Yeah. (laughs) We'll get you back on again for something else fun and weird. So, okay. Sounds good. Awesome. 
So, all right. So I don't know what we're going with next week, but it might not be Mean Girls Month, but maybe it will be. You never know. <laughs> we might sneak an extra episode in when you're not looking. Uh, I can't think of another one. We're good. <laughs> all right. So we're done. <laughs> well, we have to end the episode first. You don't think we ended this the episode? episode's over. <laughs> I, I feel like the episode is over. And yeah. scene. And done. And done. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we are terrible at endings. Music provided by www.bensound.com, and please email feedback to contact us at nerdybitches.com. I see the dark. Where's the comedy?